0: I've been talking to you about um, virtues for victory, and I really, uh, next week I'll be talking some more about the blood of Jesus and, the, and the, the blood of healing next week. So if you know someone that needs healing in their body, if they're dealing with something that's very difficult, maybe you are, just get your faith, we we'll praying for sick people next week and applying the blood from the back of Jesus. There's going to be miracles here next week, how many you believe that? I mean, you can't read the gospel without realizing God, he's a miracle Jesus, right? He's not, average, he's not a logical Jesus. He's a miracle Jesus. And uh, he has the power to change and to heal and to transform. So I talked to you the first week, I talked about the importance of uh, midnight praise, right? That if you want a victory, you're going to have to learn how to do the opposite than your instinct. Instead of being bummed out, you have to say, I'm going to overcome this with worship. It is the ultimate uh, virtue that instead of complaining, you worship, and God opens up the prison. We talked about that. Then we talked about uh, courage the week before, keep your heart. The Bible says, above everything else, guard your heart, because everything in your life flows from your heart. So guard your heart. So we talked about the importance of keeping your courage and keeping your heart pure, and this is above everything else. Watch out about that part that's inside of you. And I'm going to give you one other thing th- this week of, of virtue to win, that you must have, and I'm going to talk about the virtue of resetting. The virtue of resetting. If you got your Bible to uh, Philippians three thirteen, this is could be one of my favorites in the whole Bible. I refer to it my whole life. This is Paul speaking, brethren. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Say it with me. One thing I do. Now, you're about to get some advice from the greatest conqueror in the New Testament next to Jesus. This guy wrote three-quarters of the New Testament. He was beaten, shipwrecked, but he planted churches all over the place in a short period of time. This guy's awesome, and he knows how to win. And he's about to give you the secret of how to win. He said, now, look, I'm not yet what God called me to be. How many can wave your hand and say, that's true about me? I'm not yet what Jesus called me to be, right? I'm not what I was, but right. I'm not. I'm going to be, but thank God, I'm not what I was, right? So Paul said, "Hey, I'm not there yet." He said, "But this one thing, I do. One thing. I love when life gets simple, right?" God said, "Okay, now here's the one thing you have to remember, right? Remember when the? I don't know if you remember they used to do a bungee jumps." You know, and they, they tie the rubber band around your leg, and then you jumped off, you know, uh, you know 200, 300 feet. And if that guy says, "No," there's one thing you need to remember, like your, your ears just like go on fire, like what? <laughs> so when this guy tells you one thing I do, and then he tells you two things. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. I thought it was one thing. Now you're telling me two things because we separate those things as if they were different. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, let your word transform our minds, transform our lives, our families, our city, and our nation. Let the power of your word... Be birthed in us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So he said one thing and then he says two things. He said, this is my secret to win. Why is this guy always winning and always overcoming? He said, I have a secret, it's one thing. Then he says these two things and we'll look at those for a moment. I want to read it in the uh, Passion Translation which says this, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this, however... I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past, and I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all those who are fully mature have this same passion and if anyone is not yet gripped with these desires God will reveal it to him one he said here's the deal it comes down to one thing and if you understand it, it is one great motion in order to embrace your future you got to let go of your past you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark the uh the thing that was not Raiders of the Lost Ark but the the deal, what was the Holy Grail? You know what I'm talking about. And, and the, the Holy Grail was at the very end of the movie. There was a big earthquake, and the grail was right there, and, and the girl had fallen down in a hole. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Are you reliving it with me? And so she can almost reach it, but then she's got Harrison Ford up there, and he's trying to save her life. And she's trying to have both the grail and her life. And she's like, I can almost, most, most people find themselves right there. They're trying to reach on to their future while they're holding on to their past. And they find themselves in a very precarious situation because you can have your past or your future, not your past and your future. Because it's not something that you kind of work all together and smush it toward the middle. Here's what he's saying. I forget what's behind and I press on to what's ahead. What does it mean? I can't forget what's behind till I press on to what's ahead, and I cannot press on to what's ahead till I forget what's behind. You say, well, that's simple. No, it's not, because most people don't listen to it. Most people try to work the deal and hold on to everything. He's saying, this is what makes me different. This is my virtue for victory. This is the way I win. I have the secret. I forget. You know, there are some things you will never figure out. Why it happened. I call it white people disease. You know, white people, they got to make everything work. Everything's got to be logical. Well, why then? Why? Even my grandbaby Jackson, he's always like, why? Well, then why is that? I'm like, hey, just accept it, will you? Why? And it, it, there's something about uh, even Americans, there's this intellectual lean to try to figure it out. It's all got to, you know, work in our minds. we got to figure out, you know, why does your husband run around on you? Let me figure out. Let me think. It wasn't this you ain't going to figure that one out. It's too simple. He's an idiot. <laughs> you, you ain't going to change that. That's about as simple as it gets. But, 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 but instead of just walking away from things and saying, that was horrible, let's move on. We got to work the deal in our mind and we begin to think it through. And why was that? And while we're thinking all the whys and I don't understand, we find ourselves paralyzed trapped between our past and our future we find ourselves unable to move forward because we're not willing to let go the power to release the past is found in fully embracing the future the power of embracing the future is in fully releasing the past but for those who don't know the secret. They just get old, they just get confused, and they just get stuck, because what simple thing, they can't reset, they they don't understand one thing, the great focus, letting go, the great focus, pressing on to the call of God. God. You cannot truly come into God's new vision for the future while crippled with the memories and limitations of the past. Just can't do it. And some of us hold on stubbornly, you know, to what happened. You know, like if your wife made you mad yesterday, you're still mad today. You're living today and yesterday's I got mad. And we have this tendency to... to try to build a case for life and try to figure it out while we're walking with God. And the people who try to figure it out, they find themselves, like I said, paralyzed. And here's what they think. And here's something all of us, kind of in a natural way, we learn. Experience, they say, is the best teacher. And it's not. Experience is a liar at times. Not always. I mean, obviously play this song a few times you can play it better the next time so there's a lot to say for experience but when it comes to the call of God many times what you're experiencing is the very opposite of the truth many times those lessons that you're learning are designed to keep you out of God's promise some of the things that you're saying well I'll tell you what you know I'll tell you what I learned see when someone has a clear heart you give them a word from God they're like got it I'm doing this thing. But when someone is cluttered with the past, you give them a word from God and they're like, ooh, yeah, I tried that before. Or something like it. Didn't work out that good. So instead of just embracing what God is saying and going for it, they mix it with their experience. And they say, yeah, yeah I get what you're saying. But. I get what you're saying, but. But, you know, I've been through some stuff. See, that's why many times older Christians are the the worst believers. A new new Christian, they're like, hey, man, did you guys read the Bible? I mean, a new Christian gets in a room full of old Christians, and they can't believe it. I remember when I I first gave my life to Christ, and and of course, I was reading the New Testament. I was was reading, you know, all what Jesus did, and he was always out doing something. And so uh, I thought, man, I got a few crazy friends. I said, well, let's just go do it. They're like, yes, what a novel idea. So we would go out to the street, you know, and play music on the street and pray for people on the street. And everything we learned in church, we would go out and do. I remember we were at, at Pizza Hut. And, you know, and, and I was just so excited. Me and my friends just started worshiping God in Pizza Hut. And we we're like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I know it's goofy. I know that. At this point, I know it. But at the time, it seemed like the right thing to do. Older Christians need to get shook up. They need to get confronted and remember how it was and forget about how it is and all that you learned and all that you call wisdom is really backsliding. I remember as we st- me and my teenage friends started worshiping God, all the other older believers were like, hmm, this is not right. You could see their face turning red, and you could see that the contrast between those who just read that book and those who knew everything about it and had all these experiences, you could see the contrast At one said, you know what, it's, it's in there, but I, I'm not sure if I believe it all. But those that had a fresh heart were like, yeah, man, let's do this thing. And I found that to walk with Jesus, you got to stay clean you got to stay clear of the path. Well, I had a bad experience. Well, you're going to have bad experiences. This is going to happen. But you have the decision to make whether that bad experience is going to change you. Now, you've seen those people. They were in church. They used to be on fire for God. They're still in church, but they're not on fire for God. I mean, you still see them, and you can look at them and say, what What the heck happened? Weren't you that one? I mean, they're still in church. They're not going to back out on God. They just don't believe anything. They ain't going to take any more risk. They already got burned. And the time they got burned, they applied it to everything. Everything the preacher said, mm-hmm, I got burned that time. Don't try to fool me this time. Oh, you will have a prayer for, for healing. Uh-huh, mm-hmm, heard that. I'm going to lunch early that day. Now, they don't say it, but they can't help that disappointment has saturated into their very being. They have become a disappointed person. Now, listen, the truth is you're going to face disappointments in life, right? Jesus said, whoever believes on me will not be disappointed. There's a difference in having a disappointment and being disappointed. Some people live in perpetual disappointment because of what happened. I don't know what it was, a divorce, a betrayal. A best friend told a secret. You got a a back full of knives, and then you made the vow, I ain't trusting that again. And you didn't mean to because you're just trying to deal with the experience because you've been around a while and you know that last time you trusted people, you got busted. And so you just make a quiet vow, I ain't trusting that again. And you think it's just old people, but it's not young people. There are people that 15, 16 years old already made a vow, I ain't trusting anybody. They already became old, they already became disappointed. They already, they're already on the pathway to becoming bitter. They're already losing their anointing, their zeal, their passion to believe or something great. They're already losing their ability to dream because they accepted the teacher of their experience. Well, i tell you what. Like, see, you can either live in the dream of God or you can die in the false wisdom of your experiences. You can, never leave, live it. you can either live in the dream of God or you can die in the hard-earned experiences that you had that taught you that, you know what, life is not all that colorful. Life is not all that beautiful. See, when you said that, you just joined the old people. You need to go to the old folks' home church. You know, where nobody believes anything there. We all clap and, you know, but you got, can't have but two songs, three songs. are like, I'm out. I don't even know why they're singing three songs. Oh, you got the honky-tonk music playing all day in your truck, but you can't do it two songs in church, like two songs and I'm out. Two Jesus songs and I'm out. You got Hank Williams all day. You got rap music. Oh, you go two hours on rap music, but two songs for Jesus, and you're like, I, I, I just can't. Because, you know, the third song, you start getting exposed that you don't believe this stuff. They do four songs, you're like, I'm out. out, out too, air's too thin up here. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. What they're raising their hands, what? They're one place, I'm somewhere else. Are you with me? And you're thinking, now this, this is a common experience to human beings. It's not like, it, it, it requires a choice you got to do it. Paul said, hey, here's the thing I do. I just forget it. You ever go fishing and you, and you uh, get your, your line tangled up? You know, if you go fishing with kids, half the time you're going to be doing this. If you're, you know, if you're fishing with kids, you're just constantly unraveling. And, you know, I've learned a secret. There is a point, it gets so tangled up, cut that sucker off. New line. This is what Paul says to do every life. When it gets so tangled, you can't figure it out. Focus on something that's worth focusing on. Don't keep focused on how it was all amiss. Are you with me? God is always doing something new and if you're committed to the old you're never going to have the new if you're an old wine skin you can never get filled with new wine god is always doing something new he's not doing something that you got used to that you heard before that you saw before he's about to do something new in your life isaiah 43 19 says behold i will do a new thing now well i made big mistakes So what? Well, people hurt me. That's a fact of life. People are going to hurt you. God said, I'm going to do something new. If you're stuck in the old, you'll never have the new. If you're committed to, oh, you're the expert, you'll never have the new. If you've seen it all before, you'll never have the new. If you want the new, you've got to get rid of the old, completely get rid of it, detach yourself, say that was nothing. This is everything. Behold, I will do a new thing. Listen, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, you're going to miss it. I'll even make a road in the wilderness. You know what that means? A road in the wilderness means a way where there is no way. A road in the, in the wilderness, you've seen those people dropped off in the desert. They don't know south, north. They don't know what they're doing. And then there's a road. In other words, I'm going to make a way that you didn't see the last time. You would keep going around that wilderness and suddenly you saw the road. You ever, been, you ever been in the woods lost and you found a road? Oh, thank God. I don't know where it's going, but it's better than being in these woods. <laughs> and the idea is that you pass around a long time. You couldn't find a way. God said, oh, there's a road. In other words, if you're so stuck on the, you ain't never getting out of here. You ain't never getting out of the wilderness. There's all kind of problems. You ain't never getting. If you're committed to this way of thinking, you're going to miss the road. When God shows up and there's a road there, you're not even going to be ready for it. You're so committed to it, it won't work. When it does work, you're going to miss it. He said I will make rivers in the desert. Now, you know it wouldn't be a desert if there was rivers in it. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You can't call it a river in a desert. It's either a desert or a river. And you've been around that desert. How many times have you been in that desert? If you don't watch out, you're gonna miss, you're gonna, you're gonna miss something wonderful, something that you didn't see before, something that you weren't prepared for. God is gonna surprise you and do something new, and there's a river in that desert. Oh man. You know, I've had been around some really great people and uh, I have a friend, his name is Jesse Duplantis. How many know Jesse Duplantis? He is a Cajun and he's a preacher. He's preaching at that time 300 and sometimes a year. And I uh, had the opportunity to hang out with him one day and I went to his home and I thought, this is my opportunity because I was a new preacher and I was going to try to let's get real moment. Because my whole thing was, how come I pray for people and sometimes they don't get well? Sometimes I pray and things get worse. And I had a catalog of all my. Bad experiences. And every time I hear him, he's always full of faith and he's full of joy. And I'm like, okay, can we get real for a minute? So I was going to have a let's get real moment with him. like, hey. So I was at his house. We're hanging out. And so I had a moment to talk. I said, hey, uh, Jesse. He said, hey. I said, what about when you pray for people and they don't get well? I mean, like, why don't you pray for that miracle and you actually lose the house? What about that? You know, I tried 15, 16 different ways to help him remember all the bad times in his life and all the contradictions he's faced, and he would not have that conversation with me. And so I've tried it with other great men of God, like, hey, you know the time when it was hard and you felt like quitting? Remember that time? They're like, nope, don't remember it. I was like, come on, man. You know you remember it. <laughs> you know, come on. You've got to be normal like the rest of us. Come on, tell the truth. They're like, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. It turns out they never talked to me about it because they forgot it. They just forgot it. And they would not allow it to weigh in on today's dream. Yesterday's nightmare could not weigh in on today's dream. And honestly, it's inspiring when you see this particular thing operating in someone's life where they say, look. I just forgot, I just hit the reset button, I just forgot about all that. I just walked away from all those things. Now listen, as you sit here in church, emotionally and on a spiritual level, you are where you are because of your ability to forget or your inability to forget. To your ability to press on. You know what they tell a receiver when he drops a pass, they say forget about it, forget about it. Because if you don't if you remember the past you just dropped, you're going to drop the next three. So you're going to have to pick it up like, you know what, there's something, we're just going to forget about it. Look at somebody and say, just forget about it. It's a great virtue and a great strategy. I had a close friend of mine, I had a run-in with him, you know, how many of you had those before? And we live in different places, so I, I, I had uh, gone crossways with him over a situation, and I I was going to have a a lunch with him, and I turned out I had to pick him up to bring him to the lunch. So before the lunch, I had him in the car with me, and so I stopped. I drove up. It was raining outside, and his name is Keith. I said, Keith, man, okay, I'm sorry. I blew it. You know, the thing where that thing happened and this thing happened, I admitted I was wrong. And, you know, I know you're probably upset with me. And he looked at me and said, what are you talking about? I was like, you know the thing. He said, no, I don't know what you're talking about, man. He said, the truth is, I I just forgot it. Wouldn't it be nice if God gave you the gift to forget all the times that somebody hurt your feelings, somebody let you down, or somebody, you know, betrayed you? What about if you just couldn't remember, like, I don't know, what are you talking about? (laughs) See, some people, it's all they ever want to talk about is poor me and what happened and where they got stuck. You sit with someone long enough, and you'll find out where they got stuck, and where they said, I'm not going to forget it. Somebody will say, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. That is a mistake. You want God, come on, can I just take a couple minutes here? Uh, You want God to not ever bring it up again. You want God to throw your sin in the sea of forgetfulness, but you got a whole garbage can full of things that your wife did that your husband did, and you said you got rid of him, but that garbage can not ain't far away. Like, okay, wait a second. Oh, it's going to be like that? Well, I got something in here for you. Well, what about when you? Oh, you said you forgot, but you didn't, did you? You still got all that stuff. And some of those things burn in our brain. Today, God is going to help you forget. I'm going to give you five quick notes. I'm not going to preach them. i want to give you quick notes because they're important from the life of Joseph. He's the ultimate guy when it comes to forgetting things, conquering things. You know Joseph, his his father's favorite, Genesis 37, 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age and he made him a tunic of many colors. So Joseph was the favorite son. Joseph had a dream, shared it with his brothers and his parents. The brothers hated him. They mocked, killed him. They put him in a pit, took his coat of many colors, put blood on it, told the dad he had died. Then they sold him into slavery to Potiphar's house. They sold him into slavery to Potiphar's Potiphar's house. (laughs) (laughs) To Potiphar's house. And while he was there... Of course, he demonstrated this wonderful, buoyant attitude. He became the leader over everything. And even when he did the right thing, Potiphar's wife tried to make a move on him. And Joseph said, no, man, I ain't doing that. She accused him of rape, puts him in jail. And he sits there in jail. This, from the time he gets arrested at 17 years old. 17 years old. He is 13 years in Complete contradiction. He's got no experiences that tell him if you serve God, things are going to work out awesome. If you put God first, man, everything's going to be super cool. Because it seems like every time he does the right thing, <laughs> something even worse happens. And he's in jail. And, and, you know, you get these two servants of the king that come in and he prophesies to them and says, hey, man, when you get back to the king, don't forget me. They forgot him two more years. If anybody had the reason to be bitter, angry, and say, listen, don't tell me about how God will deliver you. Don't tell me about how God's word is going to be true. Don't tell me about the dream of God. I had the dream of God. And let me tell you what happened to me. If anybody had the right to get an attitude about life in general, Joseph is the guy who had an attitude. But in general, he learned the secret of having God's attitude. Let me give them to you. Note one, refuse to focus your life on things you can't change. Write it down. Here's a note. Refuse to focus your life on things you cannot change. All right, let me help you with that. You can't change your husband. Don't focus your life on, I'm going to be happy when he changes. He ain't changing at least you're not going to change him. You can pray and you can believe God. But if you're focused, you're going to live a miserable life. You need to dream a dream of, a, of your husband different than he was. Are you with me? You need to understand that dreaming is better than making something happen. Listen, you cannot change your past, but your past certainly can change you. Now, if you're a little older, then you understand. Uh, If you have a few bumps and bruises and scars, then you understand what I'm saying. When life doesn't make sense, focus on what does. God's promise, God's dream, and God's word. Number two, everything that happens moves you a step closer to God's dream. Everything that happens. Man, this is the attitude. Everything that happens. Just put your arm around somebody and say, hey, don't worry about it. Everything that happens brings you one step closer to God's dream. Somebody needed some comfort right now. (laughs) Everything that happens. I don't care. You know, in the world they say everything happens for a reason. Well, I don't know if all that's true, but I know for you, because you love God, where does it say, Romans 28, and we know that all things are working together for good. To those that love God, to those that are called according to His purpose, everything is working for you. That divorce, working for you. That horrible mistake, working for you. That you got fired, working for you. That accident, working for you. That situation where you lost your behind in that deal, working for you. You lost all that money, working for you. Look at somebody say, smile, it's working for you. Smile. Come on, don't be upset. Don't be upset. Don't get mad at people. Don't get all bitter. Just say, you know what, no matter what you do, it's always working for me. Hello? I just got to stop right there. We got to just like, saturate for a moment. Like, hey, it's working for you, man. It's working for you. I don't care what it is. It doesn't have to be good. It's working for you. You're coming one step closer, one day closer. Joseph knew the secret. Like, I don't know why it's happening, but it's got me closer to God's dream. I don't care if it's an impossibility. I'm one step closer to God's dream. Number three, nothing can stop the dream but you. Nothing, nobody can stop the dream, but you, you're the only one that can quit. You're the only one that can give up on Jesus. You're the only one that can give up on God's promises, on God's destiny. The devil, everybody around you, everything that's happened can't take it from you. You have to give that up. And let me finish with the last two, and we'll get Bray to play. There he is. My son's awesome now, I'm telling you. He's going to sing a song next week, I'm sure of it. The dream of God is bigger and stronger than the worst thing the enemy can throw at you. Hurt, delay, opposition, impossibility, struggle. The government, the Democrats, the Republicans, family disappointments. Nothing can stop God's dream. That's between you and God. I like the name of that movie, Hope Floats. If hope floats, faith really floats. No matter what it is, Joseph kept coming to the top because he understood he had to keep fighting. He understood that the coat of many colors that he was given was God's vision, it could be taken. It can be bloodied. It can be ripped into pieces. It can be used as evidence against you. But in the end, the vision lives inside of you. The dream is inside of you, not on the outside of you. And with the, it's the dream that gives your life color. If you ever give up the dream of God for something better, for something wonderful, your life fades to black and whites. If you want to have the color, the color comes from the dream. Don't let anything steal the dream. Don't let any setback steal the dream. Don't let any group of people or any individual ever steal the dream that's inside of you. Because it coming forth has to do with you and God. Habakkuk 2 says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. It will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Fight for it. Number four is this, I've said it before, Joseph, after he went through a living hell for doing the right thing, he was promoted second in charge of the whole world, and he His life changed instantly. I want some of you to know, you think your situation can't change, it can change like that. You think your kids can't change, they can change like that. You think your marriage can't change, it can change like that. You just need to believe. You just, all your part, you just need to stand in faith. That's all we got. And that's how we conquer. So Joseph, at a moment, went from the pit to the palace. And then he gets a beautiful wife, beautiful home. And he has a baby. The first baby he has. Now the first baby is the like the baby of your heart, right? That's the most precious thing to you, because that was the first, right? When you think about that first baby, that's the closest thing to you. So let me give you the closest revelation to Joseph's heart. The best secret that he learned. What came to his mind when he had that baby. The first secret, the first overwhelming thought he had when he looked at his first baby boy. They said, what are we going to name him? He said, name him Manasseh. You know what Manasseh means? The Lord has made me forget all of my suffering. Your way back is a gift called Manasseh. The Lord has made me forget. Could you say it with me? Say the Lord has made me forget all of my suffering. It's a gift from God. It's a gift. He looked at his head and said, this is the closest thing in my life. This is my secret. The Lord made me forget. And then the second, which is the last point, Second son he had, his name was Ephraim. Ephraim means the Lord has made me fruitful in the very place where I struggled. Another little secret Joseph said, Let me show you how we do this. We forget those things that are behind and we press on to those things that are ahead. These are my two precious secrets. After all he went through, after all he worked through, after all he struggled with, he said, you know, my secret is that God gives me this gift. I'm just forgetting it. I'm letting it go. Let me tell you something today. If you will let it go, God will take it from you. It's like a trophy for some of you. It's an explanation because of the way that you are. Why you don't want to read the Bible and why you you had that little sour attitude. Why you watch TV all the time. Why you can't find the fire of God. It's just because you can't forget your own mistakes. You can't forget what people did or what happened. Today is a great gift in this place. God is going to give you a manasseh. And He's going to cause you to forget. So I'm going to ask you, we got a couple minutes left. If you'll stand up with me. I don't care today if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. We call this an altar because the altar is where you make an offering and you give something to God. And so today, as we close, we're going to do two things. We're going to make my entire past an offering to God and say, take it. And God is going to lay the ax to the root of every terrible mistake you made, everything that was done to you, any abuse, mistreatment, you're going to bring it to Jesus, and you're going to leave it at this altar. So we're going to worship God, but I'm going to ask you, I'm going to count to three, and those of you that say, you know what, I have to get separated from the memories and the marks and the wounds of my past, I got to let them go once and for all. We're going to make a holy offering to God here at this altar And you're just going to leave it to Jesus. So if you have to forget, if you need a Manasseh in your life, I want you to just move out of your seat. One, two, three. Just come on. Move out of your seat and come stand here. And God is going to take that from your life today. God is going to give you a Manasseh. God is going to give you a Manasseh today. God's going to give you. You don't have to be marked with what happened to you. Yes, Jesus. Come on. God's going to give you a manasseh. You're going to say, I don't even I don't even remember that anymore. Come on, if you don't mind, just lift your hands at the altar because this is an offering we're going to give it to Jesus. Every mistake, every failure, and every wound. You're going to bring it to the cross of Jesus today. And right now, the cross of Jesus is absorbing that bitter place, that shame, those memories. Jesus is removing it from your life. With your hands lifted right now. It's like the cross is absorbing all that from you. You're standing in front of Jesus today. And this was your trophy, what happened and why you're the way you, you are and why you are certain, do certain things and why you have certain habits. And right now, you're just going to let it all go. It's leaving you right now. The ax is laid to the root of every unfruitful tree. Listen, this is an unfruitful tree. You're never gonna bear any fruit by remembering those things. You're never gonna figure it out. You gotta become new. Every disappointment. Come on, just lift your hands and pray a prayer, prayer. We say, Jesus, I choose to forget. I forgive. I forgive. I choose to forgive. And now, Lord, let the blood of Jesus break the emotional hold of every wound. Right now, I release every trophy, every hurt, every disappointment. I won't carry it anymore. It's not a part of my thinking. I give it to you. I renounce my past. I renounce my wounds. I renounce my disappointment. I renounce my hurts. I renounce this disease. Leave my life. I renounce fear that it's going to happen again. Get out of my life. Right now. Every disappointment leave my life right now. Every fear leave my life right now. Go right now. You're not welcome. I issue an eviction notice to the spirit of fear, to the spirit of heaviness, to the spirit of disappointment. Get out of my life. Right now, you have no part in me. Every memory erased by the blood of Jesus. Every emotion healed by the blood of Jesus. Come on, it's just one motion. Now with your hands lifted, you're about to receive God's dream. He said, I forget those things that are past, but I, I'm receiving an Ephraim, God is about to make me fruitful in the very place that I suffered. The very situation that I suffered in, God's about to make me fruitful. This is a dream from heaven. That God is about to take what the enemy meant for evil. And he's about to turn it around for your good. What was meant to destroy you. God is about to turn it around. And it's going to make you. It's not going to break you. It's going to bring you into the place that God destined for you to have. Right now, it's about what happens. Put your hand on your heart. And say, Jesus, from now on, everything flows from right here joy, peace, life. Come on, with your hands lifted to Jesus one more time. Just receive the dream of God. Come on, see yourself. See yourself. You're not in poverty. You're not struggling. You're a leader. You're a leader for Jesus. You're leading your friends. You're leading your friends. You're not struggling. You're the leader. You're leading them out of darkness. Joseph became the savior of all his friends. The one that was the loser became the leader. The one that was the loser became the leader. Don't see yourself going back to the same old patterns of the past. You're going into something new, 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 something new in your merits, something new in your life. Something new. Come on, think about it. Something new. You're becoming new. Lord, the Lord said, get rid of that old script. Get rid of that old script. The enemy handed you some words, and he said, read these lines. The Lord said, get rid of that old script. I'm giving you a new script. I'm giving you the script of victory. I'm giving you the script of glory. I'm giving you the script of healing. I'm giving you the script of conquest. The Lord said, I'm now changing your vocabulary." Come on, right now, and if you want to receive the dream of God, you're going to have to begin to speak like someone who's receiving the dream of God. Lift your, lift your hand and say, Lord, I receive your dream for my life. I'm not average. I'm not ordinary. I was born with a purpose. I was born to change the world. And I will not surrender it because of what happened to me. I will not yield. I will not go back. I refuse to focus my life on things I can't change. I reject condemnation. I reject the threats of the enemy. And I receive the joy of your dream. Come on, with your hands lifted, God's about to give you the coat of many colors. He's about to give you the coat of many colors. He's about to give you the coat of favor again. The coat of favor. What brings favor is not what's been around you. It's what's inside you. Because you got the dream of God, favor is coming to your life. Promotion is coming to your life. Come on, just receive it. Come on, just put it on. Put it on, the favor of God. The favor of God. You're not walking around like a loser. Who cares what anybody thinks? Who cares what anybody says? I don't care. God doesn't care. But what do you think about God's promise? What do you think about what God said? Come on, just put on the favor of God put on the favor of God right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. The dream of God. You were born for something special. You are not average. You are not ordinary. You are not average. You are not ordinary. You're creative. You're born to create. You are born to save. You are born to bring forth the life of God. Come on. Everything else falls off of you. Every worry, every fear, every disappointment falls off of your life right now. You don't have a past. All you have is a future. You don't have a past. All you have is a future. If any man be in Christ, old things have passed away and everything has become new. Everything right now with your hands lifted, everything's about to become new.